Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rody Fisher. Thank you for joining us. Let's pray. Father, great is your name and greatly to be praised. We thank you, Lord, for being here and getting us here safely and for my special guest being able to signal in from wherever she is. And we just love you. And we know that you are here blessing us and we bless you in Jesus name. Amen. Um, I'm going to read this morning, Psalm 48. I know that I'm skipping around for those of you that are following me diligently when I'm going through the Psalms, but I thought this was a good one to start with. So um, Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding of your word So here we go. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, be beautiful for for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Wow, Mount Zion. Yes. Um, God is known. I'm sorry. God is known in her palaces for a refuge for lo. The kings were assembled and they passed by together. They saw it and they were so marveled. They were troubled and haste away. Fear took a hold upon them there and the pain of as, a, as of a woman in travail. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen the city of the Lord of hosts and the city of our God. God will establish it forever. Selah. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of the, thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go around her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well um, bul- bulwarks. Consider her palaces, that ye may tell it in the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's such a great psalm. I apologize about that coughing business. I just want to thank you for joining us this morning. Gosh, give us an understanding of your word. Thank you for joining us this morning. I need to settle down here as things have been going in an, <clears throat> at a fast pace. But I would like to welcome my guest who is coming to you from a different, um, actually, she's coming to you from the same state, but she's self-quarantining. I think I met Moni, um close to the year, I'm going to guess 2015. No, 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 earlier than that, 2005. And I haven't seen her in a while. And I remember having dinner at her parents' house, the very best, she was there, the very best Egyptian food, I think. Amani, welcome this morning. I can see you on the screen, but welcome. Thank you so much, Rhoda, for having me this morning. And good morning uh, to all our uh, listeners today um, and your team. I'm very thankful to be with you all. Okay, Amani, for our listeners, um, I I know that we've talked about your testimony before, and it's really a powerful one, but I kind of would like to begin at the beginning, like, you know, when you were a little girl, where you were born, where you grew up, and just for your direction, we don't need to use, like, names, um, uh, I don't want anybody to get in trouble in Egypt, but um, if you could start as a little girl, I would really like to hear that part of it first. Yeah, well, it's too late for people getting in trouble because everybody knows my testimony now. Okay. Um, and that's actually a part of uh, of the story. Um, when God calls us, um, he takes care of us in, in all circumstances. And, um, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. And we yeah. believe that. 
But I grew up in Egypt as um, in a Muslim family. Um, and, um, you know, I lived a normal um, life of a, a young Egyptian girl from um, a moderate Muslim family. Okay. Um, learned everything about Islam from my grandmother. Um, my mom and dad were divorced. And uh, my, my mom was um, someone that, you know, wasn't so much like most of the women in our culture because she was very outgoing and she had, uh, you know, she's a businesswoman and she was also, uh, um, uh, she worked in the movie industry. And, you know, she had a very full life and uh, um, usually women. About what year, what, what year are you talking about? Like, um, are you thinking about the 80s or the 70s? Well, mom was, you know, born, uh, you know, her life was, was um, you know, going on at that rate at, around the 70s, probably. In, in rapid so. speed, she's living a full, busy life. Yeah. And for a Muslim yeah. woman, that's that's a big deal in, in that yeah, time. For a woman in general, in, in, in this culture, it, it wasn't usual. Women that live that kind of life. Um, are kind of you looked looked at, um, watched carefully, especially if if she was a divorced woman, and yeah. divorce was a common thing. But when a woman is divorced, she's marked. So mm. yeah, um, and it's it's kind of like here in this culture too. Divorce is is something not accepted in traditional families. Um, so anyway, um, my mom uh, had some trouble and she wasn't really feeling happy in her life at all. And um, she decided to pursue God. And in her pursuit of God, she started with Islam and searching in, in um, you know, the Quran and uh, asking questions about Islam and none of that actually gave her peace. So um, somebody uh, that worked for, for her told her one day that he thinks that Jesus is looking for her, calling her. And when she asked him, can you tell me more about him? He said, I can't, I don't know how. And this was because um, it's illegal to talk to people about Jesus or to share your faith with people in Egypt. So he was a Christian, but was reluctant to to lead her down that path, just giving her that little statement of Jesus is is looking for you too. Um, And so um, that was enough for her. That was the the beginning for her. But, you know, I want to stand here and say, you know, our stories is actually the story of Jesus and how he pursues us and and reaches out to find us. And in my story as a a former Muslim woman, um, the things I encountered, many of us uh, back there encountered the same things. So, um, you know, it's not... The, some of the elements of the story is not just uniquely to me, uh, but to other Muslims that live the same thing. Um, what's, what's important to know about this man reaching out to my mother, even though he was afraid for his life, um, it's, it's motivated by love. Mm-hmm. He loved my mom, even though she was from a Muslim faith. And even though this Christian man was oppressed in Egypt harshly by the, by the Muslim people, but yet he loved her and love bears fruit. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, you can't serve someone that you don't love. Right. So that's at least we had, where we started. And uh, shortly after, he took my mother to uh, a pastor who led her to Christ very fast. It happened very fast. As soon as my mom had her encounter with Christ, um, she completely changed. She had health problems. She had alcohol problem. Um, she was a heavy smoker. And uh, um, once she became a believer, this all just went away. And wow. the peace of God was very clear and obvious um, in her life. Mm-hmm. So th- that was um, an interesting situation for us because all what we knew about Christianity or Christians is that um, that Christians worship three gods and they're all going to go to hell. That's just basically, you wow. know, what we were told. So I, I I know your testimony. So here you are at the age of 13 and your mother accepts the Lord and you, you accepts Jesus as her savior. 
Yes. And your life drastically changes from there. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So yes. you're thinking, what is your mom doing? She's accepted Jesus as her savior. Now she's serving three gods and she's going directly to hell as your thought, right? Right. There's no concept of serving God. In, you know, um, in Islam, we are just uh, slaves to God. Right. Um, so uh, for me, I'm, I'm thinking about the punishment she's going to deal with. Yes. Um, to, to leave Islam and go to any other religion or to leave Islam is um, punished by death. Right. Um, anyone that leaves Islam has to be killed. Uh, apostates, whatever you call them, you know. So um, this was dangerous for her. But also I felt a great offense because Islam uh, or the religion is a part of our heritage. So I felt the great offense that how could she go um, and and do that to me and change my life also socially and, you know, everything changed for me. Yeah, because um, it's the whole culture, Islam is more than just a religion. It's the way, you know, it, it's how you relate to other people in a country like this. It's how you relate to um, maybe the way you dressed. I mean, everything changes. Well, Islam controls everything in our life. So if you, uh, you know, here we we look at our lives, our uh, you know, our life is, if life is a box, you know, it's a part of us, it's us, and then everything else into our life mm-hmm. matters. But in, in the religion of Islam, Islam is the box, and we are a dot in that box somewhere. Mm-hmm. It controls everything around your life in that box, okay? Um, but of course, to live with Jesus is a different story. Jesus is everything in our life. So for that really changed my life drastically, and it was very dangerous. So I, um, my grandmother called the imams, um, the leaders of the mosque, to come and talk to my mother. And that was very dangerous. I knew that they're going to take actions. And I watched my mother being threatened by those imams. And it scared me for her. And I felt like something changed in her. I want to keep that, you know, kind and and uh, available mother. But I want to get rid of that the Jesus story that she keeps uh, talking about. So I decided to read the Bible for myself and uh, find the problems that I can, you know, argue with her through yeah. about the Bible and Christianity. Right. And um, I, hide, I hid myself for hours to read the Bible. And when I started reading, I I read from the Old Testament, and um, I was really captured by the the storyline. In Islam, we don't have a storyline. We're told stories, you know, um, by, um, we hear stories from our mothers and fathers and the imams, but the stories are not quite full in the Quran. You get it from the Hadith and other and other places. So when I read the Old Testament, I felt like there is a line of story that is um, that meant something to me. Um, it, it made sense. And um, Mom used to tell me, "Read the New Testament." So I decided to open on the New Testament part, and uh, um, the first page I opened was um, the Book of John, the first chapter of the Book of John. And the first two sentences there, it talks about Jesus being the word of God. And I didn't know, you know, that it doesn't say Jesus there, but I knew that it's talking about Jesus. And I realized that the Quran says that uh, Jesus is um, the word and a spirit of God's spirit, a part of God's spirit. So I understood that there's something about Jesus. And I want to testify to God's glory here. You know. Even though people are isolated and not reached with the gospel in many areas around the Muslim world, but the Holy Spirit reaches us with visions and dreams and miraculous encounters and the touch from the Holy Spirit awakens our soul. So at a moment there, um, I saw Jesus as I was reading the book of John and he walked me through um, you know, parts of the book of John that really meant something and related to my life. One of them was understanding why my mother was so in love with Jesus. Wow. Wow. That's, um, she just, 
the story of the Samaritan woman and how she was, for me, I understood she's outside of the norm of the culture. So did my mother. So, um, you know, I, I knew while I was reading that God was pointing to my heart. She understood that God loved her so she could not keep her mouth shut about him. Yeah. And, um, and another story for me was the story of the woman caught in adultery. I remembered how God had touched my heart about this story when I was about seven or seven years old or something. I was watching an Arabic movie and I heard that, uh, um, whoever is without sin shall ca- will cast the first stone. And it really just, it was very interesting to me. And I thought, what are these words? But I understood that it's divine words. It's something different. But when I was about 12 or 13, I used to sit with God and say, I'm not a good person. Why would you even allow me to be in heaven? Is there hope for me? Because women are, the, the you know, most of the inhabitants of hell. Are women. We're told that from we, when we're very young. So, you know, I knew my heart was not good. Why would I be able to go to heaven? Uh-huh. And um, uh, at this moment, I when I was seeing how Jesus related to this uh, woman caught in adultery, I felt like God was talking to my heart. And he turned around to look at the woman and I saw my face uh, instead uh-huh. of her face at that moment. Um, now, can I just interrupt you for one little second? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not, your mother hasn't accepted the Lord at this point. This is going back before she even accepted the Lord. You were seven, you said, right? The encounters I had. Well, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. So mm-hmm. it really speaks to the the word when it says, Jesus is knocking. Um, yes. If you will open that door, he will yeah. come in and sup with you. Yes. I love that because God knocks on the door of our hearts yeah. even before we knew him. And we can see that time and time again before even we accept the Lord. It's encounter after encounter after encounter until we finally open that door. But I did want to stop you just a second because I wanted to see if Sean could post a photo um, of you since we have a black screen here. And mm-hmm. is it okay that we post a photo of you so that the people know who you are? No, she's she's been on camera the whole time. Oh, okay. She has. Yeah, okay. it's been a split screen. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm sorry. So I don't see it over here. But yeah. anyway, okay. go, go ahead and here you are at seven and you see that and you see that Jesus is looking at you. You picture that in your mind. So go ahead and finish. I'm sorry. No, I wasn't seven at the time. That was after uh, my mother uh, became a believer. That was my encounter with Jesus after, while I was reading the Bible to try to find ways to argue with my mom. At this point, I had I I knew that I believe that Jesus is God, and I didn't understand much about the theology of that. And um, you know, sometimes uh, when we when we try to tell the story of Jesus to um, to believers uh, to seekers. Um, we want to make sure that they understood the ins and outs of the theology and the right theology of things. And and I want to say in the beginning, we just need to be able to tell the story of Jesus as if we're telling it to, to a six or seven year old, because God deals with the heart first. Mm-hmm. We understand things beyond our uh, our understanding because of the Holy Spirit work. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, I went and told my mother, and from then on, we were knocking on doors of uh, the church to try to learn about Jesus more and to study the Bible and to be accepted in the community of believers. And that turns out to be a very hard thing to do in our community. Wow. So you guys are still living in Egypt at this time. Now, yes. um, at one point, you dis- your mother decides to come to America. Is that right? Well, that was later on. Um, my mother um, had to leave Egypt, had to flee, because um, it was known that she uh, became a believer in Christ and she she was going to be put to jail. Uh-huh. Um, it, I think, you know, it's important to know that at that time, um, that was over 40 years ago, okay, 
at that time, there was not really that many uh, Muslim converts in Egypt. There was only two or three people in Egypt that opened the door to teaching Muslim converts or to, you know, sharing the gospel with uh, um, Muslims. Um, Those people that are the people known at the time. Um, But um, the, the believers actually were maybe you know, 20, 30, the most at that time. That was 40 years ago because the church and the believers were very careful how to share the gospel. And some of them weren't really, you know, occupied with that at all. Um, So um, mom had to leave Egypt and I stayed um, when I was about 16 And I had to be dealing with my father, who was um, an important man in Egypt, powerful in the government. So um, it was difficult because everywhere I I went, um, I was known uh, because of my father's line of work. Um, And, you know, I see this as a blessing today because he was able to protect me from going to jail or being bothered by the police or the government. Yet he became the one that oppressed me and, um, you know, persecuted me. But at least I didn't go to jail. Unfortunately, many of the believers that I was with uh, was put in jail um, at the time, and they were almost killed by the government, too. Many of them were tortured in jail and had a really hard uh, encounter um, in those years. Um, Later on, I had to marry and uh, so I, I thought I would marry someone that my family would accept. So I had to marry a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And um, he promised me that he would allow me to um, worship, but in secret, follow mm-hmm. Jesus, but in secret. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, that didn't really work. Um, and I had, I had two children. And he decided that there will not be any more talk about Jesus. And I had to live as a Muslim wife and I had to raise my kids as Muslim children um, or I would lose my kids. By law, if I convert, I have no rights at all in my inheritance, my children, my family, um, anything, my money, I I would lose everything and it would be by law. Mm -hmm. So um, I wasn't going to leave my children and I just accepted the situation and lost hope that God actually cares about me at the time. In a weak moment, without good teaching and um, and believers to support, I thought, God doesn't want me. Why would I be in this situation if it wasn't that he doesn't care about me? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. So you're here in Egypt um, trying to p- keep this family together. You see no hope now. Yeah. So what, what do you do? Well... Um, one day, my uh, my ex husband um, ordered me to sit and teach my you know five four five year old daughter um, how to pray. And I said she's very young; that's too early. And he said you're gonna do it, and you'll do it now by force. And so I put the rug and sat down to teach her how to pray. And I was reading some verses of the Quran to her, and my heart was torn apart. I know I'm holding the world, the word of the devil in my hand. I knew that. I knew what Quran is. And I'm saying these things to my daughter. She doesn't understand what this says. But she looks up to me and she just cries so hysterically and said, Mom, this is not going to work. We're going to go to hell. At this moment, something pierced my heart. I knew that the spirit of God was touching my daughter, declaring truth that I could not, you know, share with them at the time. Uh So I took her to her room. And that night, I stayed all night screaming to God to send help. And very shortly after, my mother was able to come back to Egypt with her uh, husband. And God had promised them that they are going to come and bring us out of Egypt. They believed what God promised them. I want to give a background story about what was happening here. My mom and met her husband here and they married and they started a, a ministry uh, to uh, the Arab community and Muslim background believers and uh, 
and you know they they had a mission going here but there was an element that is really important for the church to hear there were believers that would come together and pray for for me and my family every week with my mom and my dad stepdad mm-hmm. and um through that prayers for 10 years they never stopped praying for us and i believe that through that God changed things and miracles happened. And mom came and asked my husband if we would all come back to uh, America and build our new life here. And he said, yeah, sure. I think that's a great idea. But um, take Amani and the kids first and I will follow. And that's exactly what we did. Oh, my gosh. Talk about an answer to prayer on your end, crying yeah. out to the Lord, and on your, your your mom's end for those 10 long years in taking yeah. you to the throne of God every single you know week with her believer friends. Wow, yeah. what a powerful story. So you come. Yes, yes, I came. Let me, uh, I think there is, a, there is an important part in this story, um, and uh, it's what, what's God doing um, to have his story told in the Middle East and among the Muslim people. And, um, you know, now it's not just 20, 30 people. Now there are millions of Muslim background believers everywhere in the world. But we have to understand that the enemy fights people that speak up about the gospel. And um, when I came back to, to uh, when I came uh, to the States, um, I repented and gave my life back to the Lord and understood that God never left me. And I started to, um, you know, to go back to the church and, and study and spend time with other believers. God really changed my heart to the point that I looked back at my, my husband and I thought, I forgive him. You know, there's nothing more I want, uh, than what I have today. I have my kids. He would not come. He refused to come. Um, but within a year, he sent terrorists behind us and we had to flee for the next 10 to 15 years of our life. We lived in hiding in the United States. Wow. wow. To follow the whole story, you can go um, on um, Amazon Prime or something. And uh, uh, and and um, there is a movie called Love Cost Everything. And okay. um, the name of the movie again, Lost. Love- Love, no, no. go ahead. Love costs everything. Okay, love cost c o s t everything. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, this is about Christian persecution, and it has the full uh, story. So the enemy um, will persecute people. It wasn't persecution wasn't only in Egypt. We say, oh, it's a closed country. It's a Muslim country. No, it happened here too. Um, and during that time of fleeing, I I got really angry, and I thought. You know, I don't want to talk to Muslim people. I don't want to talk to Arab people because they are the source of my problem. And in years to come, God convicts my heart um, and teaches me that I can't really serve someone that I don't love. And that the story I have with all the pain that was caused to me, it was a persecution of Christ, not myself. I put myself in the place of Christ and felt bad for myself, even though all the way God blessed me with so many uh, friends and, and that became family, a life that um, I couldn't have dreamed of, even though there were hardships. Mm-hmm. Um, and in um, when 9-11 happened, um, I was faced with a lot of questions about Islam. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, at, at that time, I had never shared my testimony, not even once. Wow. And uh, um, the Lord really prompted my heart that I need to stop what I'm doing and have a change. Of course, he had prepared me. This was my wilderness to prepare my heart for what's to come. And, um, you know, the world had a very interesting idea about Islam. Um, some people saw the terror and looked at the people and saw terrorists. And some people were in defense of the people and their religion and isolating the terror. The truth is, Islam is a religion of terror. The ideology itself, the book itself, the God that speaks through that book speaks of terror, terrorize the heart of those that, that 
don't believe or the unbelievers. So the language of that book is that. But the people are not. The people are the victims of this ideology. Right. And I understand because I was in their shoes one day. I never thought to search the Quran or to ask questions. And when I asked questions, I was told not to ask, just to receive. I was told I'm a woman. I don't understand anything. Now, when men ask, they say, you're just a common person. You need to ask the scholars. And what the scholar says, it goes. It reminds me of the time where, where people never were able to read the Bible. Yeah. You know, we could read the Quran, but we didn't understand. So, um, yes, Muslims are victim of this ideology and it has to be faced, but it can only be faced by the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I I met you um, at one of the Calvary Chapel churches, and Mm -hmm. I believe George had you um, speak at one of his events. And the first time I heard your testimony and um, share how the Lord nudged you and, and said, this is the new path that you're going to take because of, because of what you um, experienced and how your life as a Muslim turning to a Christian um, was going to be of such value for people to hear, not just Christians, but others. So tell about that first time you begin to share your testimony um, with with others. Yeah, I I think at the time I didn't understand my call, but I understood that my heart was moved by what I was seeing. Uh Um, I would go to a mall or supermarket or something and see, um, suddenly I'm seeing Muslim women with their burqa, the long stuff, the black or the gray that they wear covered all over. Kids are... um, pulling and tugging on her. She's holding bags and, you know, you know, holding a child and her husband is just walking in front of her as free as can be. And these things hit my heart. It reminded me. At the time, I looked at it and I, I thought, do you not think? What is your problem? You're in America. You could, you could just, you know, um, do something about that. And God reminded me, I couldn't. With all the power of my father in Egypt, I could not change my life with my husband because he had control. But it's not because of him. It was because of what I know about my place in this world through Islam. And I started to see the struggle of Muslim women. And, you know, my heart changed from anger to compassion. Compassion is the element that we most of the time forget when we're looking at others that are living away from God, whether they don't know God or they're living in sin or, you know, Jesus was among the sinners because he had compassion towards them. And he saw the potential when they know the the truth. And that's how God started to change my heart. And uh, he taught me that I had a story to tell. So um, I I started a a ministry where I was living and, um, went to churches and did trainings to teach people how to uh, minister to Muslims. And uh, this is when I met Georgette Sayer, and we actually um, worked together and, and did a lot of conferences together. Um, and I'm very thankful for that experience too. But then um, we started to hear about a, an amazing change in the Middle East. We heard about a ministry that is on TV and, um, you know, when I lived in Egypt, there was only maybe one radio station or two the most um, that had half an hour of a Christian program every week. And that's all. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and it was very, you know, very just light. There's not a, a big invitation to come to Jesus or, you know, as far as I, you know, whenever I heard any of it. Um, so I heard about this um a Christian uh, radio uh, TV station that started in 2003, and uh, it was called Al Hayat. Al Hayat is the life, and uh, I heard that they are causing a lot of trouble in the Middle East because they are telling the truth about Islam. They started with um, a, a program called, um, I think, maybe questions about faith or something like that, and the, the it was 
it was questions about Islam itself from the Islamic books. And, uh, um, you know, I think most everybody knows, uh, Father Zechariah and he was, uh, he was doing, um, the program questions about faith. But the idea of this, this channel really shocked me because if you speak anything against Islam, even if it was a question, uh, you're killed. Just, it's not accepted. Um, but I learned later on that this channel was tra- started by a Muslim background believer, uh, Brother Harun Ibrahim, and um, and uh, other friends came together and uh, they decided that media is the tool to reach the Muslims with the truth. As Muslim background believers, we know that we didn't know anything about our religion. Now that I read, now that I, I study, I didn't know anything about the truth of Islam. Right. So... Um, you know, there were a couple other Christian, uh, uh, um, maybe one or two Christian uh, TV station, but there was no um, gospel message that uh, that is clear designed for Muslims. You had to kind of uncover the lies and then, you know, lay the, uh, the ground for the truth. Um, Brother Harun Ibrahim is a, a convert from Israel, from uh, an Arab family in Israel. So um, what he decided to do is to lay down the truth and invite people uh, from Muslim background to come and share the stories on uh, life on on the channel. Uh And this was a breakthrough around the world. In the last 15 years, Muslim background believers have come to the knowledge of Christ. Millions of Muslims come to the knowledge of Christ. Okay. Um, when we started, when, you know, hang on, just, I'd like for you to repeat that for us because you cut out just a little bit. So in sure. the last few years, you said, go ahead. In the last 15 years, okay, millions of uh, Muslim people came to the knowledge of Christ wow. through, uh, through the media tool specifically. Um, when Al-Hayat started our channel, um, People were sending letters and uh, and emails and you know calling to say how dare you speak like that about uh, our religion or the prophet or uh, or or anything that we talked about. But then in you know within a year that changed to people saying I've always known that there was something wrong. I've my heart was never uh, you know in the right place. I always had that question, and then it changed to how do I become a believer? How do I accept Christ? How do I pray? How do I get baptized? And from then on, um, the Lord changed the face of ministry to Muslims in the Middle East. Wow. Now, I do know that you have a big part in this Al-Hayat, too. So share that and what you're doing um, to the audience. Okay, so um, as I said, uh, Brother Harun and his team started uh, in 2003. I joined in 2006 or later, six or something like that. But um, the idea started with just just speaking about what is wrong in this and asking people to start thinking and choose for themselves. And then uh, that he came up with the idea of the, the Muslim background believers doing the, the shows and sharing the stories. So when we started to share our stories, um, at the time, when people shared stories, they had to be covered or, you know, she wears a burqa before she tells her story. So people don't know her and all these things. And um, and then um, the, the, uh, the idea was that if we're we're not going to be afraid. God freed us, and we need to tell the truth as it is. So we came out on the channel with our face, with our real name. We give our address. We have, I remember one time somebody said, oh, she's not who she, she, she says she is. So I put my ID, uh, my Egyptian ID on the channel, um, on TV. So it was a breakthrough. And for a few years, we worked on the main topic of Islam, but then, um, you know, it was time to do something that is designed for the Muslim women. Wow. So this this is where you come in, where you're really, um, and, and, you know, I thank you for that sharing about uncovering the faces 
um, yeah. and, and, and exposing who you are. You don't have to be afraid. God is there to protect you. Yes. Uh, and I love that. But your program is really designed for women. Um, the, 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 your audience is to the women. Is, is that right? I mean, men too, but. Well, this is, this is how we started. Uh, and uh, it was a team that worked on the idea. And it, it was for the first time uh, Muslim women can come out and share their stories and testimonies. And <clears throat> excuse me, first time um, um, a, um, a program designed for uh, Muslim women led by Muslim women from back uh, Christian women that is from Muslim background. So um, our heart was to work on all the things that the Muslim woman cannot speak about um, that her, her heart questions that she's never had an answer to all the taboo talk topics that she can't talk about her relationship with her, with her husband, uh, marriage, divorce, uh, how it affects her life and, and her relationship with God, how God sees her, how she sees herself being persecuted by everybody around her. But not only that, she's persecuted by the God of Islam himself that tells her that she's deficient, she's lacking, she's half of a a, a person. Um, She's always in the background. Her voice is is, uh, uh, sinful to hear uh, everything about her, all the limitations that the God of Islam puts on her. That leaves her to feel like she's separated from God. And I want to say that we're not talking about the same God of the Bible. Right, right. The God that that small g God that speak that speaks in the Quran is not the God of the Bible. He is not Jehovah, right. and you know that when you hear him speak about himself and give himself's name, he he's called he calls himself uh, the greatest of all deceivers, and we know who that is. Right. right? I, I I was really amazed when I you know first went into the Muslim ministry. Um, to witness to people that it's right there, the greatest of all deceivers. He has 99 names and that's one of them. So uh, unbelievable. But you're uncovering the face of is of the, their God as well. Um, as you're Absolutely. The heart, the heart of everything is the character of God. Mm-hmm. If I go to talk about anything around that, it has to be, um, it's, it's the side dish. It's a side topic, you know, but the main topic is, is the character of God, because that, that is what, you know, um, ultimately that's who we are seeking if we are seeking God. Um, But, you know, when we started the Muslim woman program, we started in 2009. And uh, the idea was, as I said, to talk about all the topics that relates to women and have it to be a platform for them to have a voice, send us their story, call in, have a discussion. But we were so amazed that 85% of our callers were men. Really? And, yeah. How was that? Um, I think it's, they've never seen women do what we're doing. So that was challenging mm-hmm. uh, to Muslim men. And uh, for a woman to speak about religion the way we are, um, they think, oh, we can we can take them. We can definitely, you know, argue with them uh, and, and defeat them. But then they come in and they want to argue and they find that everything we're saying is documented and backed up by their books and not not our, not just opinions. And they started to think they started to uh change and and the next time the the same caller that yelled at us for the last six months was coming with a real question and a little bit later had a testimony to give about what jesus did in his life wow. so they're they're first coming in to attack yes. and, and and try to uphold what their beliefs are and attack yours yeah. and then god breaks in and softens their heart and hear they too are coming to Christ. Is that is that what I'm hearing? That is the truth, and the truth um, is what set them free. It is it is that the attraction to the King of Kings when God speaks, and it's plain truth. And we're not fighting. We we are we're sharing in love. Um, 
We're not attacking. We're not debating. It's a piece of information that you need to take and think about. And then we started to tell them, ask God, ask God. You can ask God. And they did. Um, You know, I I just have to tell this one little quick story. And mm -hmm. we're going to probably go five minutes over. I'm not going to allow you to be late for your appointment, but we're going to run a little bit long. Um, I I just want to tell you that when I first studied, uh, and and when I say study, I I mean in a very light way, we took a class on Islam back in 2000. Um, And we spoke to the, when I spoke to the second Muslim person I'd ever talked to before, and we had a 45 minute conversation and he Mm -hmm. came attacking her at a mosque. Um, And this was early on. And, and he finally started to see the love of Christ and what Mm -hmm. we were really presenting. And I said to him, Bashir, he was from Pakistan. I said, Bashir, tonight, when you say your evening prayer, this was on a Friday now, and he's talking to a woman, which is really the, the wrong thing to do, just coming out of the mosque. I said, tonight, don't worry about anything about what I said. Just ask God, reveal yeah. yourself to me. I'm seeking you. Reveal yourself to me. And he will. Mm-hmm. I I believe that even though this happened in year 2000, I will see that Bashir is in heaven because he said to me, I will, I will do that tonight in my evening prayer. And we know how, how so these men that go to the mosque, they're so passionate about the God they serve, even though they don't know a whole lot about him. They go every Friday mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. say their prayers every day. And the, the religious the, doing that religiously is, is their passion. Mm-hmm. And so to come and present um, the facts to them, as you guys are doing, and then presenting the love of Christ as mm-hmm. you're doing, answering these questions really breaks down the walls of their heart, don't you think? Yes, yes. And that's what truth does. The enemy, uh, uh, you know, um, adds lies to our lives. And these lies are also, you know, motivated by our self-centeredness and and our limitations it was it would it would uh um the only thing that can break through that is the truth of god is the word of god uh-huh. and and it has to be covered and bathed in love yeah um, exactly yeah so um and you know this is this is where it started to happen a change in the the view of uh uh, Muslim people that are calling um, that they can see a woman speak and speak well and speak well kindly also. Mm-hmm. So they were really attracted to that. But in the same time, we were focused as a channel, as a team on uh, changing the mindsets of people. The problem is that they just don't know the truth. And um, they're their mindset is taken from what they were told. So, for example, um, if you're told that uh, um, Allah is the greatest of all deceivers, Muslims don't see anything wrong with that. Right. They accept it as it is. But you know that this is an ab- abomination towards God. You cannot, God cannot, he does not mix good and evil. No, he doesn't um, embody darkness at all. Absolutely. The fact that they are actually saying that he is the greatest of all deceivers points to who you're, the God that you're serving. It completely, completely, he can, our God cannot stand in that type of, he doesn't embody that type of a person. Yes. And that type of a personality. So, yeah. Well, so I'm going to tell you a story and tell your listeners a story about a a woman I met in one of uh, the conferences. So I was teaching a class about Muslim women and how to deal with them. And and I always start my class uh, with um, the, um, you know, the character of God. So when I said a few of the names of God, the God of Islam, she said, I don't see anything wrong with that. I'm a Muslim and, you know, I I think um, there's nothing wrong with God being the greatest of all deceivers that puts him higher than everyone. I said, okay, well, let me ask you a question. 
um, if you have a man that came to ask for your, your hand in marriage and they told you he's just perfect, he's great about everything in his life, except that he's a deceiver a bit. He lies quite a bit to people. He manipulates people quite a bit. Would you be okay with that? She was silent uh-huh. because now she related it to herself. Uh-huh. But in her mind, the enemy made it made evil good and good evil. Right. That's what we have to understand when we minister to them. Yeah. But, you know, when you think about it, um, when you come from um, a place that Allah is the greatest of all deceivers, it allows the Muslims to deceive others, their families, you know, or, you know, maybe the clerics in, in Islam to deceive others, to paint this picture of it being a religion of peace or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever they say. Yeah. And, you know, there's parts in the Bible that, I mean, I'm sorry, there's parts in the Quran that speaks of peace, but, but when you take it as a whole, you cannot swallow this evil part while you're teaching this other part too. And we will have Amani on again. God bless you all. And we'll see you next time with On the Road with Jesus. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher.